Well, Jeff, I did I did want to ask you. So you were talking about how you kind of delve deeper into these films and look at the uh, metaphorical aspect. Is that what you were saying? Yeah, we need an Annihilation book or chapter. Oh, I love that movie. Well, I would imagine you just said you edited a book, Alien in Philosophy, I Infest, Therefore right. I Am. Uh-huh. So uh, could you tell us a little bit about that and, and everything? Yeah, that, that was fun. I, so I uh, got a degree in undergrad in philosophy, and I had a, a mentor who also kind of co-edited some of those books. And my first one that he suggested that I apply, that, like pitch a chapter for, was Terminator in Philosophy. And yeah, so and then uh, this, uh, my mentor offered me a shot to co-edit with him in Alien and Philosophy. And that was really fun, actually. So writing one, uh, basically, is a call for abstracts, and then you pitch what you want to write about, and then you go through a process with an editor, submitting drafts, they comment, etc., until the final proof. And then as an editor, we sent out a call for abstracts, received a bunch, and then kind of picked ones that we thought were... Interesting and kind of would create a well balanced text, if you will, on on a variety of topics. Wow, that's really interesting. It was really fun. Yeah, so I, I grew up in uh, Eastern Washington, Spokane, Washington, and it was interesting because I I went to Eastern Washington University, which is where I majored in philosophy, and and that was great. I love that university. It was so fun. But at that time, I didn't realize that my number one thing that I loved was film. It brought me joy in my whole life, but I didn't really feel like I could make a living doing something in that area. And then I moved on from there to Oregon and got a degree in sociology while I was still writing these chapters and doing stuff on the side. And then... I was going to do the whole professor thing, and then I realized, like, no, I just want to write about and make films. Oh, that's, that's the awesome. thing that I want to do. And then, so I dropped out of grad school at some point after my master's, and then lived in Chicago for a minute, and then I lived in L.A., moved to L.A., where I live now, and just been kind of writing about film ever since and trying to make them. So, so being a professor, yeah. being a professor seems like a pretty you know, natural progression, especially for your trajectory. Mm-hmm. What, what really compelled you to drop that and approach filmmaking? I mean, that seems like a pretty heavy decision to me rather than just like, oh, I like film. Yeah. Like, it feels like there's a lot more to that choice, right? Yeah, well, it's kind of funny because like when I was uh, thinking about my undergrad, I wanted to act at the time. Oh, but okay. then I thought that being a professor was a more practical job choice yeah and mostly it was because i didn't really you know growing up in eastern washington i didn't know anybody that had done that path i didn't really see that that was like a probable journey okay yeah a person yeah and at a certain point like I, i felt like i was a good teacher i i enjoyed it it was fun talking about it but then the stuff that really made me happy was writing about film. And it was because I, it had always given me joy. And I felt like there's so much meaning that you can communicate. Like when, when you write like an academic article on the topic, right. Yeah. Which I've done. Um, and I'm proud of maybe if you're super lucky, hundreds of people will read it. Okay. But you can make a film that succeeds on the film level but also carries a lot of that meaning to millions of people and lasts for decades you can do things that engage people on a topic in in really unparalleled ways and it's it's just so lovely and creative to me yeah yeah i mean we we are filmmakers ourselves and this podcast is about filmmaking and getting into filmmaking and what all that entails totally. and getting people's stories like yours. So have you, uh, what, where did your appreciation for film, like what films were it that you watched and you're like, Oh man, I, I just love movies. Oh, that's a, that's a really good question. Yeah. Because of the book, I was so, thinking maybe like alien. 
Yeah, I, I watched Alien maybe a little too young, and uh, <laughs> it was uh, never too young. Great. Uh, <laughs> no, and it was just so like tense and lovely, and I watched a lot of television growing up, okay. and stuff like. So stuff like sightings and um, oh, on the yeah. Sci-Fi Channel yeah, and yeah. the X Files were my jams mm-hmm. growing up, mm-hmm. and I just loved how much they imbued the world with like magic. And then I'd watch I watched a bunch of Spielberg films and and Tarantino, where everything is just kind of larger than life and intense in a lot of ways. Yeah. And it just kind of, it's a, it's an addicting way to look at the world, I think. Oh, yeah, for sure. Absolutely. So so you decide, not going to be the professor, going to take go mm-hmm. on to filmmaking, and then you go to Chicago? Right. Okay. And, and when you were out there, what, was the approach like acting out there or filmmaking? Or was it, what was the aim? I took a bunch of non- there's a, a nonprofit organization called Chicago Filmmakers. I'll make a plug because they're pretty cool. Oh, okay. Awesome. Um, we'll also link them. Yeah, they have a bunch of filmmaking classes that are pretty accessible and affordable. And before that, when I lived in Oregon, I'd been thinking about you know being a screenwriter for a while. Okay. And then I took this class on, funny thing, the use of sound in horror film. I decided to go something. I was very not feeling grad school and I took the class on the use of sound in horror film and they really focus on the production and different aspects and how they communicate meaning and we'd have a class every Tuesday and then every Thursday we would watch films like The Exorcist, Alien, The Thing, The Babadook. Oh wow. Like that. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was a great class. And then we were on this we had this double feature day where we watched Alien and I think we watched the thing for the second film. And in the break between them, I had this, like, I had this epiphany while I was watching Alien because you'd watch stuff on the making of, and it just, I realized, like, not only did I love writing about film, but, like, I, I could, like, making it is a thing that I could do. Yeah. And that a person can do, and that's what I wanted to do. And so in the middle of the break, I texted my fiance. Uh, she wasn't my fiance at the time, but I was like, no, I, I feel like I should make film. Like, that's a thing that I should do. And wow. she just responded with, duh. <laughs> like, that's a good, I already <laughs> told you to marry her, but you better marry her <laughs> tonight. 100% got, marryable. You got two hours, sir. You better get <laughs> Yeah, we're recorded on the podcast. <laughs> like, are either of you I'll gentlemen officiate. ordained? I am ordained but, in the Church of Flying uh, Spaghetti uh, Monster. Yeah, that, that, that counts. I've been to a Flying <laughs> Spaghetti Monster wedding, by the way. It's oh, wonderful. wow. That's awesome. <laughs> oh, nice. Oregon's weird. <laughs> you may have saw me preaching there. But I, the, the point is that it was just funny for me because I had loved film my entire life. And then... Once I decided to make the switch with, I expected a lot of pushback, but all of the people that were really important in my life were like, oh, yes, of course, that's the thing you should do. Like, oh, apparently I'm the last person on this train. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of how it happens sometimes because mm-hmm. it, I mean, when you think about it, filmmaking sounds so insurmountable, right. especially the more you know about filmmaking, the more terrifying yeah. it sounds. Uh-huh. I mean, it's film is like not something you're just like, well, I guess I'm going to be a filmmaker. Uh, Yeah, it's like a tattoo. Like it's forever, baby. Like you (laughs) just fucking tip your toe in there. It's like you get just get so engrossed in the idea of crafting stories and blending it with visuals and creating characters. I mean, there's just so much going on. And that's just the writing. Right. And then there's finding the cast and working with amazing people. And it's so intoxicating, like. You, you just, it's like a it's like a coronavirus that doesn't go oh, yeah. away and then you can like you can succeed <laughs> ideally you know and then fail the next one and then yeah. just you know what pick yourself up and do it again yeah exactly you can be john carpenter oh hey oh, whoa, whoa ouch whoa. <laughs> i'm, I'm kidding i love john carpenter but i did see john carpenter's ghost of mars uh, yeah we'll say yeah that that one i seen that movie he made me watch it he made me watch it because of how good he is 
I so say Jeff, no. as a filmmaker, what do you normally prefer doing within the world of filmmaking? Is it uh, acting and writing? Uh, I like to to write and direct. Okay. Yeah, I I, I mean I'm I'm not opposed to acting, but I don't know. I like to just focus on telling the story. Okay. How many uh, projects have you directed and written? I've I've written more than I've directed at this point. Yeah. The coronavirus has been very frustrating because I was actually making a lot of progress on getting a short horror film I wrote produced. Oh, awesome. And then the whole world ended. I know. And now I have to kind of like redraft some possibilities, but I have a great script. Well, I mean, if you need any help, man, we are (laughs) here to help. That's uh, we got we got some cameras, we got some equipment, we got some people that could help. Good to know, gentlemen. Um, all we a- all we ask is for some red vines and maybe some of the White Mountain. Yes, lots of drugs. Right, Stephen. <laughs> yeah, we are your people. <laughs> uh, we're 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 kidding about the, the cocaine. I mean, we don't Wait, really need that stuff. Tom is kidding about I mean, the cocaine. <laughs> uh, I'm not. I'll take some pixie sticks. What you don't That's know is cocaine. they're winking. <laughs> I'm not winking. I'm not winking. I swear, Daddy, don't hit me. No, well, I have to take you up on that. I have, I have a good DP. Yeah, seriously. I have a, uh, a. I got a great producer on board, but then she has to move. So mm-hmm. um, a little bit more complicated than that. But I'm still gonna move forward with it, and it's a supernatural horror film. Okay, awesome. Awesome. You guys want to hear the plot? Yeah, I will definitely send it your way. Oh, okay. Yeah, that'd be great. Thank you. Yeah, definitely. So, cool. So you normally do the writing. Uh, now, I know me and, me and Tom have talked about writing on this also because we also write, produce, and direct our mm-hmm. own projects. We love writing. So as a writer, what is your process? Like, I was thinking about myself the other day, especially in this quarantine, I tend to have a lot of rituals when I write. I kind of have to have mm-hmm. the moon, you know, and the stars align properly and all of these things yeah. to go right to kind of get in that mood of writing. Do yeah. you have anything like that? Yeah. So I like to kind of like get an earlier start to the day. Okay. I can do stuff really late, but if, unless it's after everyone's gone to bed, I prefer to wake up early. And then I'll usually start by drinking coffee and doing something that's kind of inspiring. If it's like putting on a film that I love in the genre that I'm doing, or it's just something to get me kind of in the zone. Okay. Yeah. And then I kind of go over what I've done for a little bit and, and then kind of just go ahead and however many hours I have to be kind of free. Yeah. You know, how many hours do, would you say you are, how many hours would you would you say you spend during a writing session, and how often do you do you try to write? I, my, so I, I'd say it's about two hours. I'm trying to increase that a little bit and like make a little more space for it. Yeah. And then my goal is to write every day, but that doesn't always happen. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's it's kind of tough. Yeah, I I hard. usually two hours is usually about my limit. After about two hours, I notice I yeah. tend to fatigue. You know, and then it just yep. it just feels like uh the words are just ugh. I'm it's just pushing through it and people stuff. realize. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I can kinda write forever, but I'm lazy, so I just have <laughs> to get started. Steven knows he's seen he's seen my hundreds <laughs> of scripts. <laughs> so I was gonna ask you, yeah. uh Jeff, how, do you use music a lot to help your writing? Because I know I do to really get me in an emotional mm-hmm. state for whatever I'm writing. Mm-hmm. Like if it needs to be an action scene, I tend to listen to music that inspires action. Like, I don't know, Duel of Fates from Star yeah. Wars or something. Yeah. How dare you call the plant, call the prequels. <laughs> that sounds good though. Sound I'm sorry. Song is good. That's a good song. Oh, John Williams is amazing. He's never been bad. <laughs> except for maybe last year. Oh, shots fired. Ooh, ooh, very personal. Um, sorry. Sorry, sorry, Ryan Johnson. We said we weren't going to bully you anymore, and we promised we are not. Oh. Lucky McKee will get us. No, that, that's a good question. So I almost always listen to music. Okay. At different times, I've listened to techno a lot, mm. and then just usually stuff without words like techno or the like really curated jazz or classical. Yeah. 
a little more recently, I've been listening to a lot of metal. Oh, okay. Oh, interesting. Is it with lyrics? Yeah, or? yeah. But like, like I, I kind of like hand curate it with certain bands that are intense enough to kind of, even though there's lyrics, like to kind of push the thoughts out of my head. Yeah, like, they get that adrenaline going, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh wow. That's yeah. Awesome. So like, I'm gonna, you know, like pitch to like Gojira, Mastodon, like. <laughs> Some of my go-to bands that I uh, like, I know, like, oh, I can just like queue up an album and I'm I'm good. Yeah. Oh, that's pretty. I can't write with lyrics at all. I'll Do start the, writing. Yeah, the so lyrics. the lyrics kind of distract you. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, I'll literally write <laughs> in the lyrics. I'll be like typing, like Philly was going over crazy train. Like, <laughs> wait, what? Stop it, Ozzy! You wreck, fucking wrecked my life. That's pretty interesting. But yeah, I listen to three things. I listen to. Spirit Away soundtrack, the Fountain soundtrack, nice. and Final Fantasy VI. <laughs> okay. That's what I listen okay. to. Some maybe Chrono Trigger if I'm feeling brave, but those are the three things. That's what I wrote my book Not to. Bad. That's what I wrote everything to. Yeah, are those three things. I've written entire scenes around a single song that I don't think I'll ever get the rights to before. Oh no, that's awesome! I know Edgar Wright did that for uh, Baby Driver. Baby Driver, which makes perfect sense. I have a. I'm I'm working on two things right now, and one of which is a an adaptation of the Epic of Gilgamesh. Oh, awesome! Oh, sweet! And the very like the opening scene, and I shouldn't say this, but I will. <laughs> Don't worry, we can I edit want, it out. I want to get the rights to uh, Danzig's "How the Gods Kill." Oh wow! Okay. And if you listen to that song, it's perfect for the beginning of the film. Oh, that's. I, hey, I feel you. I I'm working on a short film and. Rockwell cool. was edited to it, and nice. I cut Stephen a, a a surprise version of a, a vi- music yeah, video of his Rockwell short film. goes very well with the film. Awesome. Yeah. So I was going to ask you uh, back to the writing with the rituals. I'm trying to break the habit of to having rituals before I write, because I notice that if I don't perform the ritual, it's like I can't write. So mm-hmm. I've kind of been viewing it. <laughs> bring me a goat. <laughs> bring me a goat to sacrifice. <laughs> to but I've been kind of noticing the fact that, you know, you don't need to do all of these little ritual aspects to write. You just write. So do you feel like it's, it's good or bad? Do you have a perspective on that? Well, I know like, like Stephen King, who is amazingly prolific and does a lot of unique works, is an advocate of just being professional and doing the work. Yeah. But I would say developing kind of small controllable rituals is still kind of a nice thing to consider. Even something small like jerk off before you're right, buddy. I do, man. That's part of the ritual, but <laughs> shit, then I had to do it. I had to do it at the beginning, That's the middle, lot. and the end. Oh, Whatever makes you okay. zen. <laughs> Sorry, no, this like, is a dirty podcast, Jeff. I'm sorry if we're too, too raunchy for you. It's all good. It's all good. Okay. Wait till you read the script. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> Hope you like Star Trek. <laughs> no, it's like, like um, I mean, even something simple is like if part of your ritual, ritual before you write is like you have a particular necklace or ring or jacket you put on. Yeah. Or a, if you're going to go off to a coffee shop to write for half a day yeah. like a song that you play when you're getting ready like something small and controllable that doesn't control you but still kind of can feel comfortable and like a trigger for you to be like all right cool business time yeah 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 i'm i'm trying to learn that myself i mean i'm dev- definitely a very ritualistic writer like i one thing i always have to have is setting um so i love writing yeah. We worked on a film together, me and Tom, that we wrote. And when I was writing it, I would always go to Denny's and I would spend my entire night there just writing at the bar. Uh-huh. So a lot of times I like writing at an actual bar. And and I really have to force that setting or else I, I just can't write. So I'm just yeah. really learning to kind of... Coronavirus is making you change that. It is that. making me change that, and it is forcing me. Yeah. And I'm trying to force myself to be more productive in that way. So I would ask you, Jeff, if you're not feeling like writing, you know, you kind of hit that writer's block, what are some things you do to kind of get through that? I think anything that helps you reset 
can kind of get you out of your head entirely is helpful. Okay. Exercise I found personally to be pretty useful if you find something that you like. Yeah. Like I I like boxing. Oh, okay. It's a really intense, like you have to focus on what you're doing, but it's enjoyable and it is energetic. And then by the time I'm done with that, you know, um, whatever baggage might have been into my head is out of it. Some people that's running. Some people might need something like anything that gets you really focused on something entirely different. Uh And then you can put it down is good. So when you start Um, doing the boxing, that kind of helps you to, to reset then, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Because you know, your, your reflexes have to be, you have to be very present. Yeah. So it kind of, you can't really keep your baggage and be fine. Yeah, that, you know, that's a like really good point. You have to yeah. clear your head and then have a cleared mind. And then by the end of it, you're spent, you're done, you're good to go. Yeah. And then just like you said, to be present. Um, I think that's really important. Right. You know, not getting so caught up in your in your own thoughts. Exactly. Like, And for some people, like, different things that aren't exercise might help them be present. Some people are great with meditation. Some people, you know, are great with a really, like, intense video game if you're logged at home you can't go anywhere yeah but anything that forces you to be just in the moment that you're doing and you can't do anything else is a good reset yeah so then i would ask you since you write for forbes right you're a contributor contributor for them Uh is that difficult because i hate writing personally i like writing i want to write all these stories but i actually hate the physical Uh act of writing so is that an issue always having to write for forbes and other you know other writings that you do It's interesting because it's something that I had to get a little bit used to because, I mean, it's it's been great and uh, it is great and I'm really happy about it. Yeah. But I didn't like the writing that it's the first writing opportunity that I've had where I had to be really 100% timely with things. Okay. Um, and like cover on the ground news, you know, while it's happening. Yeah. Which kind of forces your hand a little bit. And I had to get used to that for a minute. And so the way that I kind of dealt with that is by making myself a kind of subconscious set of rules. So I basically only cover stuff if it's in my sort of genre subset and if I am, if it inspires me or if I'm passionate about it. Okay. To, like, to just play I only review it a film if I, yeah, like I only review a film, for example, if because I'm not primarily a reviewer, I, I do all sorts of things. I only review a film if I expect to like it. Okay. So I can come in with a positive sort of approach. And of course, if, if there's problems, I'm real about it in my review. But, you know, I only cover things if, if I'm excited about it in some way. Yeah. And so that's been kind of keeping me engaged and in the moment and inspired and it was a little bit nerve-wracking at first because once i realized that when i when i write for them an article can get i've had articles get a hundred thousand views or more oh and so once once i realized that i'm like oh crap like i if i write something it could be read by everybody yeah and that's very stressful yeah especially on forbes but yeah, right. Because they have such, I mean, it's such a great team there and there's such a big profile and anything you write could be seen by anybody. And so, yeah, it's a little bit stressful, but I, you know, just try and stay professional and I, str- I try and just keep it wedded to what I care about. And I, I feel like I'm connected enough that what I care about, people care about. Yeah. Yeah, that's really interesting, especially when you say like anyone could read it. So do you feel like maybe that could get in the way of filmmaking? Like, do you ever feel uh, fear backlash? Is, is, is that ever a fear? It is in the sense that if I'm reviewing something critically, which has happened and it does happen and it will happen. Yeah. You know, I never know in the future, like, because my goal in the longer run is to be a filmmaker, and I don't know who I'm going to be working with. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so I just try and 
the the positive aspect of it is it keeps me from sort of gotcha journalism, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like I, I, I don't try and sabotage people. Yeah. For its own sake, like some people do for clicks and views. I've had I've I've done interviews with people where like someone was too honest because I'm I'm getting them in the zone and they're just very very forthright. And then I've I've actually had their press people call me afterwards like, hey, um, can you? please not publish the following thing. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah. And my response is always like, well, look, I only interview people that I actually really respect, which is true. And I'm always real in what I do, but but at the same time I'm not looking to sabotage someone if they're like off the cuff for a minute. And so yeah. Yeah, I was going to say I think that's what we've kind of learned or at least myself in the fact that you know doing this podcast it was like, "Oh, I'm going to teach people. I'm going to show them the good movies out there." You know, I'm going to be like, oh, "I'm going to shit on all these movies cuz everyone loves them and they're terrible movies and people shouldn't love them." <laughs> and and yeah, Joker. <laughs> and Pam Grover is a 7.5. <laughs> I'm base. Hey, for my for my ranking 7.5 is still above most movies. I have your list of your rankings here. I can uh -oh, expose uh -oh. you. But I would say that uh, in my respect, just, just kind of learning to... The Red Shoes was better than this? Uh, the Red Shoes was pretty damn good. Oh, I love Red but Shoes. But just learning to be more positive in the approach, you know, and, and, and instead yep. of talking about movies right. that are I think are bad, focusing on the right. few movies that I think are good, like Underwater. You know, just right. this movie no one saw, yeah. but that I thought was amazing. And just kind of focusing on that because, you know, uh, maybe the possibility that me and Tom progress, maybe our films that we're doing actually gain some traction and maybe we get out there. I don't necessarily want to just be insulting people and having people not want to be a part of my projects because, oh, I was talking shit on some random movie insulting the lighting. and now. The yeah. grip I'm talking, or the gaffer I'm talking to, doesn't want to be on that on my project because I was insulting that film. So I always right. fear that kind of backlash, you know. And and it makes me understand right. understand uh, actors a lot more in the way they talk and how calculated they have to be because they gotta right. ensure that they have a job tomorrow. Yeah, exactly. Like they don't want to be too difficult to work with, etc. Like you will literally not get hired again. Yeah, so so that is that is a uh, that is scary. <laughs> no, I mean I mean I can relate to that because there, there are films last year that were even up for best picture that I think like are not fantastic films. Oh, that's interesting. We agree. That's interesting because we, I yeah. did read your article, "Why Parasite is the Best Movie of the Year," mm -hmm. um, which I actually kind of wanted oh, to get duh. into, uh, but just the fact okay. that you know every movie we love Parasite. We do by love the Parasite. Way. We saw Likewise. the black and white version. Yes, we did. Oh, lovely. I haven't got to do that yet. saw in theaters. But just the fact I'm that... jealous. In your description of every single movie that was nominated, I mean, you really said something positive and, and nothing negative. Yeah, I mean, like, I, I tried to do that on purpose because there, there's one film in particular that I think was vastly... Well, there's a couple that I think were vastly overrated. But at the same time, none of them were bad films. No, there was some of it was a I really strong love. year, like, I think, overall. It was. Like I, I like I love Little Women. I uh I love Jojo Rabbit. Marriage story, man. Yes, marriage story. Um there was, I, marriage I totally story. love marriage story, but there was a lot I did love about it. Uh dude. Oh, I am a big fan I of marriage story. Marriage okay. story. I thought I was gonna I, I, Okay. I didn't think I was gonna like marriage story as much because it felt like just actor porn and I kinda hate that self indulgent. Yeah. kind of thing but god damn sure. i saw i saw the lines in between the lines bombac showed me the truth fair enough i was like you're right bombac i'll never get married i'll never get married <laughs> the performance in that film are straight up excellent that's true yeah man the su best supporting cast i think all year other than parasite parasite wins everything by at least three or four <laughs> points but then once you get back down agreed, to like agreed. normal human levels, because like Bong Joon-ho is at this point, he's Miles will be Super Saiyan 6 <laughs> Gogeta. Like, yes. He's one of my... No uh, I mean, 
No, easily, easily. We're cr- we're, cr- we're fucking Krillin, okay? Yeah. And then like yeah. maybe even Yamcha, like we may be even no fucking Yamcha. Noah like, he was Piccolo, but then fucking Gogeta <laughs> stepped into the picture. <laughs> yeah. No, like uh, yeah. I, I love Bong Joon Ho for like his career has been awesome to me for a long time. Yes, and, well, Korean uh, cinema. Korean cinema is yeah. so awesome. It's funny. I um so I wrote that article about why Parasite's the best picture. And then the uh, the BBC called me to the like an interview for them on why I think it won Best Picture. Oh wow! Like like oh, I will definitely talk with you. And they wanted to ask me so many questions about Korean cinema. I'm like, I don't consider myself an expert, but yeah. yes, I love a whole bunch of Korean cinema. <laughs> Yeah, I've been telling yeah, Tom I mean, for the longest just... that I think Korean cinema is where it's at for cinema right now. Uh-huh. I mean, uh-huh. this was more a few years ago. I don't know if it still is because I'm not as invested, but I mean, yeah. It, I mean, Parasite. Yeah, there was that wave. Memories of a Murder, Old Boy, I Saw oh. the Devil. Ugh, I, I Saw, saw the, the Devil. Right, there was was that, amazing. Yes. There was that wave, Thirst. There was that, like, that wave of Korean films in like the 2000s where we're like, well, why are we even bothering? Like we got PTA, man. That's like all we. That's all we got, man. Yeah. <laughs> like that's that's our best. No, like old boy yeah. is like awesome. Oh yeah, it's I such saw a the devil's one. intense. The oh, man from God. nowhere is wonderful. Oh, thank you. I love that yeah, movie the man so from... much. The man from nowhere. And no yeah. one knows that. You know what? Or that okay. Movie. <laughs> uh, you know what? You know I love that movie, but you know what my problem is with it? It yeah. is so much like the professional. Is that a bad thing? And. No, it's, it's a great like thing, but I'm also like, no, it's, it's just not. like the professional no, motherfucker. <laughs> Trust me, watch him back to back, watch him back to back, and come right, back I'll to have me. To do that, that's what that's your homework hey, for this week, son. <laughs> watch Paris, uh, oh, the professional man. Leon, the professional, well, and then the man from that. nowhere. My weekend's going to be quote unquote terrible. <laughs> yes. Damn, I hate assignments. Damn it, Jeff. I I assigned. <laughs> This is your new, and since everyone's at home, it's just called work now, right? And this is your new I work. Love work. <laughs> this is your new work. Homework. So, Jeff, with I need you watch them back to back. Jeff, with all of this uh, Korean cinema, uh, in in the article, you actually got to interview uh, Bong Joon Ho. I did. Yeah, it was it was completely wonderful, and he was awesome. Yeah, that sounds awesome. I'm so yeah, jealous. We, we are very jealous <laughs> that you got to be near him. Yeah, it, it was. <laughs> no, I was just gonna say that that I I feel incredibly privileged and to be able to, you know, in the year where he made history with uh with Parasite and and I have been a fan of his a long time to be able to have interviewed him, I feel like he does a great such a great job of you know because I talked about command of tone for Guillermo del Toro, Bong Joon Ho is another person uh, another director that has such a complete command of tone in his films and he can like when he wants you to feel tense you're tense and when he wants you to like have a moment of levity you have it and action is action and he'll just like whip you around and it's always feels organic and it's never distracting or inorganic or awkward it's just like he's mastered it yeah and and i was going to ask so who are some of the other people in your career that you've been able to interview that you just really enjoyed? I also got to recently interview Ryan Johnson, who uh, I really loved his work since Brick. Oh, yeah. Brick was really good. Brick is an awesome work of filmmaking. And Knives Out is so fun. It was interesting because he's so, he's so well-versed in film history. And so just thoughtful and kind with his time. And you can just tell that he absolutely loves every second of what he does for a living and that he just loves film. Okay. So much. Oh, that's so cool. And it's yeah. wonderful. To just... It's ref- Yeah, it's refreshing, right? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like a, lo- a lot of people are so jaded Yep. in this business. I mean, it's pretty sad. I mean... It can be hard. It's a hard struggle. It's probably it's a super hard thing to do, but mm-hmm. you should love to do it. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's part of the reason why I kind of, as a rule, only try and do things that I really actually organically care about. Yeah, because I don't I don't want to become jaded. And it's very clear that Ryan Johnson hasn't been. Oh, that's awesome. Right. Man. Yeah. Yeah. 
He's had a pretty awesome career. I mean, it'd be pretty hard to be jaded. I mean, he made a Star Wars yeah, movie. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't get better yeah. than that, right? What an opportunity. I mean, what filmmaker, what modern filmmaker doesn't, like, love and is inspired by and Star Wars? And wouldn't want to make a Star Wars yeah, film. Probably, like, two. Robert Eggers is like, Star Wars? I hate Star Wars. I, mean, I don't think so. But Robert Eggers sure probably loves, loves Star Wars. Wars. But, yeah, I mean, I'm sure he does. I mean, who, it's, yeah, like, come on. Our generation loves uh, Star Wars. What can you say? It's it's kind of mandatory, and then I, I also got to interview last year uh, Takashi Miike. Oh, sweet! Which was That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, yeah. Because talking about an intense filmmaker, <laughs> God, it, incredible. Yeah, because I mean, I mean, obviously, he did a uh, hundred something, like a hundred and five films at this point, or some such. And you know, there's like audition and Ichi the Killer, which are incredible and intense, but. My the favorite is Mike film. Fucking crazy. It's nuts. And then my favorite Mike film is 13 Assassins. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The 13 Assassins was awesome. That's an awesome film. And so yeah. I, of course, had to smuggle in a 13 Assassins question. <laughs> but yeah, like, I, I, it's, it's nice because I was, that all came from some festival coverage that I did. And I was very nervous at first. But I found out that when you're dealing with really top-tier filmmakers, they're very kind oftentimes and cordial with their time and just lovely to talk to. Yeah. Yeah, because I was going to ask if you did those interviews. I mean, I don't know what you call them, but where the filmmakers, actors just go to a hotel room and then they have like a circuit of different people from different magazines interview. Mm-hmm. What, what do you call that exactly? Yeah. What is that called? I mean... It, interviewing there, there's no special uh, word for it you mean like a press, press junket? Is it? yeah yeah like i mean they're on a press tour but usually when i think of it i think of it as i have an interview and sometimes it's a group interview like yeah. i interviewed taika watini in a room of like five other 600 no like five other journalists yeah. and so that happens too but I got a lot of one-on-one time, and sometimes it was in a hotel room, yeah. and sometimes it was in like a like some theaters have special rooms that are organized and booked. Yeah. So 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 how is it? Is that pretty? Is that fun? Like, how do you? How is that for you know just the experience, and then also just you as a journalist, maybe having to be the tenth, fifteenth, twentieth interview of the person? Like, is that also difficult too? It is because they they hear a lot of the same questions. Yeah. And so I always ask questions that I, you know, I I err on the side of asking questions that I really care about and that I think are kind of interesting to the film and the filmmaker. And I do my research. And because I feel like there's a lot of standard questions in that I'm sure they get asked a hundred times. And I try and avoid avoid those and sometimes you're surprised because i've i always ask filmmakers as a rule like what they want audiences to take home from their film like meaning wise and i've actually had a number of filmmakers tell me like wow i've never had anyone ask me that before because i think of it like a filmmaker where like i'm trying to communicate something to an audience yeah and so for me that seems like the first question you would ask but apparently nobody asks that oh. and everyone's always very happy to answer it. Yeah. They're always asking, how is it like to work with blah, blah, blah. <laughs> yeah. Apparently. What are they going to say? Shit. <laughs> like, yeah. Like, so I was like, wow, I can get that in another interview. Like I want to ask like what you think about your film and what you're trying to say to people. Like, and everyone's always very surprised when I ask that. And it always made me think like, well, what are other people asking? Yeah, it just sounds like such a unique position to be in and it's such an awesome opportunity to just, you know, pick these people's mm-hmm. brains for however long you get to interview them for. Yeah, I, I mean, it's the, it's been the, the, I mean, especially for me as like a, a, a hopeful filmmaker, as someone that wants to actually like do that for a living, it's been a complete privilege and I'm so grateful every time I get to do it. That's awesome. That's really yeah, that's awesome. awesome. Yeah. yeah, and something that I was thinking about, I mean, maybe I'm just being my high brain. Steven, we should invite Jeff into our anthology project. Yeah, buddy. 
Uh, Steven and I are working on getting some filmmakers together to do an anthology film. Awesome. Uh, we were, we were going to start working on it this year, but coronavirus, <laughs> I mean... Uh, and someone took your idea, yeah. remember, buddy? Oh, yeah. My idea was poached. I mean, not on purpose. It was a complete accident. It's it not like a super original idea. But it was like astonishingly, like I already had started writing the script and then the movie came out. I was like, well, that happened, I guess. <laughs> Back to the dry board. Yeah. But yeah, we were thinking of doing. I got a new idea anyway. So it's all we good. were thinking of okay. doing this little anthology series of short films all centered around scary themes. And then maybe doing like a trick or treat esque type of deal where. You know, they're individual stories, but they kind of link and merge into each other to tell this larger story or at least be Love a it. more fleshed out kind of feature. Fun. Yeah. Dig it. Yeah, because for us, there like we did a feature and it like it completely has consumed all like all of our lives. So it's like, OK, we need to do, we want to do something else, but we can only do something on a smaller scale while we're working on the feature as well. And yeah, post. just time wise. Yeah. It's, so it's like, well, we can do like a 10 minute short over, you know, a few days. It's not a big deal. But I mean, so we're like, let's just do a bunch, a bunch of shorts and combine them together. No, like trick or treat, something like that. Like we love that kind of idea cool. of getting other filmmakers voices in there as well, doing their no, own. Episodes. I love it. Yeah. And that stuff plays really well, at really well at festivals as well. Oh, really? Awesome. Yeah. I went to Fantastic Fest last year. I covered it. and. The uh, anthology um, films always, you know, got a big audience response. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I love them personally because it's also one of the only times you get to really appreciate short films. That's true too. Yep. Um, other than just like searching them out on Vimeo or something like that, like uh -huh. short films are pretty hard to like get. Or, I mean, they're always like the few that keep popping up on like it's like oh this one had got ten million views like you can see yep. that one but. The one that had like nine views, like that's really awesome, but only has nine views. Like maybe that <laughs> yeah, guy that's could have be my short combined film. it with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's hard to get like them to catch. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's like once things catch fire, they're, they're on fire and it's going to do it's what it's going to do. everybody's but... watching the bathroom, but. Yeah, but until then, then you're, you have six viewers and your mom's all five of them. Not everyone you, can make the one you watched. Out, right? Yeah, exactly. But we can all try. <laughs> so, Jeff, let me ask you this. What would you say is your favorite genre for filmmaking there? Um, I, you know, while there's a lot of things that I love, I would say it's horror first and probably film noir second. Ooh, you sound like Tom. Nice. Yeah. I mean, I think sci-fi is above. It goes sci-fi, horror, film noir. Oh, really? Me. Love sci-fi. Sci-fi is my number one. I've come to this conclusion. Really? Oh. Yeah, I've awesome. yeah, Blade Runner, Blade Runner number one. <laughs> yeah, sci-fi film noir, love it. Yeah, yeah, with a little bit of horror in there. Uh -huh. Yeah, literally, right. All right, so yeah. Jeff, another question here, with filmmaking and how unique it is. I mean, it, it really does take you on interesting adventures. I mean, from Forbes and all of these interviews you get to do, it sounds like you have a lot more interesting stories than us. What's one of the coolest places? filmmaking has taken you good question i would say fantastic fest actually okay because well, how was that how can you give us more more of a breakdown of uh what you were did there and what that was like yeah so i i covered that and it was at the uh at the alamo draft house in austin texas and it was so nice because as a as a critic i so everyone, whatever you know, badge you have there, you you sign up you, for your hopeful prioritized tickets, and then you get to see whatever you get to see. But as a as a critic, I had a lot of great access to a lot of great films. I got to engage with filmmakers. I worked with a lot of like awesome PR people that were so on top of it, and it was a little bit intense because I'm incredibly ambitious and was like i could do two interviews back to back in one day with big filmmakers and and you know pulled it off but it's very stressful oh of course i can't imagine yeah as uh we do one a week and i'm like fuck i'm done <laughs> i would definitely do it differently next year 
uh, if, if of course the coronavirus does not cancel it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So wait, hold on. You were at, you were at fantastic fest last year. I was, uh, did you yeah. see, did you see synchronic? Have you seen? Synchronic yes, I did yet? see synchronic. Okay, I hate you. Get off my show. <laughs> Damn it. I love I love Aaron Moorhead. I love, I love Justin Benson. Uh no, they're um, amazing. The yeah, they're super nice dudes. Uh, they're super nice dudes. I met them at the Tigers Not Afraid screening I went to. Cool. And uh yeah, uh, they're just super awesome dudes. I've been trying to get them on the show, but they've been super they're busy. Cool. But, I got to interview yeah. them last year. Nice, yeah. yeah they're they're super awesome. Yeah, they're so great, and yeah. and uh, um, dude, it, I can't wait to see Synchronic. I'm so yeah, I'm so ready. It's awesome. Lo- Jamie Dornan is really great. Everybody, oh, good. everybody's really great. It's all really great. Yeah, I like their little collection of friends that are all doing movies too. Like, did you see After Midnight? No, I didn't get to see that one yet. Oh, it's really good. It's on Amazon. You can rent it from Amazon Prime. It's cool. really fucking good. Cool. Yeah, they. Yeah, they. Yeah. Spring is my favorite movie of theirs by far. I love spring. Likewise, actually. Yeah, spring is just spring is top notch. Yeah, I thought the endless was great. Yes, but I thought that spring is like the most like beautifully romantic, like weird, fiction esque film in a long time. It was really lovely and magical. Yes, Uh, yeah, spring is yeah, spring is masterclass in my opinion. Yeah. I, well, I, Endless is still Endless is amazing. I love Endless. I love Resolution. Yeah. Resolution, good. Yeah. Yeah. Res, I, yeah. Re, when I watch Resolution, I'm like, God damn, it's her first movie. And I'm like, no budget. Like, they did so so good with it. This stupidly like, clever yeah. gentleman. Like, yeah. They're so much smarter than anyone should have a right to be. <laughs> yeah. It's not fair. I'm like over here, like. <laughs> I'm like stick. I'm like banging my sticks and stones together, trying to get Krillin back alive, <laughs> and you know I can't find the last Dragon Ball. No, but you'll you'll Shit. really dig it. You'll really dig it. And I'm glad I don't even know what's coming out now. Spring is. I don't know. Everything's honestly the whole world. Time doesn't matter anymore, and everything's weird. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's like exactly. That's the perfect line. Time doesn't matter anymore, and everything's weird. Like, like what? Like all these movies that are just coming out on VOD. Like that's pretty weird and. Yeah, like, I kind like, of know weird. what day it is, but, like, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's like, okay, we're, it's, this week has felt like a month. Yep. And it, we're just in the beginning. It's like, oh, yep. God, no. I don't. wonderful. Yeah. Thank God the, the dispensaries are open. <laughs> <laughs> God That's all I can say. Yeah, so, uh, did you guys want to, you guys want to read a, a, a Trek, Star Trek script that I wrote? Oh, Okay. There. I'll send it to you directly, Stephen. Oh, no, it's fine. I found it. I'm just trying to uh, print it out, actually. Print it? print it. Okay, yes. You're going to waste paper. I mean, you can print it if you'd like. I see it. No, I won't. Print it. Don't waste Earth, Mother Earth, you son of a bitch. I'm playing, dude. I'm going to carve it it in a stone. I don't want you to yell at me anymore. There you go. That will last forever. This does not need to last forever, though. (laughs) The aliens are going to land a million years from now. This script does not belong in a museum. No, it does not. I wrote this very high. It's only six pages, but it's just a little fun poop story. <laughs> All right. So, who are the? I apologize, audience. Who are the characters here, buddy? The main character is Red, Red shirt, shirt Captain Captain. Wait, Captain Captain. Yeah. There's more than one Captain. Yeah. So All Red right. Shirt Captain Spunk. Who's who? Are you rewriting the characters' names as we speak? <laughs> Mr. Wolf. I just need to fix that. <laughs> yeah, it's like Mr. Wolf. Okay. Mr. Wolf. <laughs> if you don't like Star Trek, you're not going to get this script. Okay, I'll get I'll get you that right there. If you don't like TNG, and, Drew, uh, Drew, Jeff, do you like TNG? I do. I grew up with that. Okay. It's a jam. All right, so we can read the script. Uh, who wants to be Red well, Shirt? Well, who, who, who are the... Well, who's the cast here, good buddy? All right, we got Red Shirt. We got the captain. We got the security officer, the science officer. That's a lot of characters. And the uh, the ensign, the driver of the ship, whose name is Smasher. Smasher. So that's what? It's a joke off Wesley Crusher. I'm sorry. <laughs> so there's five characters? Yeah. Plus narrator? Yeah. So, there's, so we can each have two. All right. So, well, well Mr. Director, who gets who? Gets who? I'm gonna read. I'm gonna read the direction and be the the dog, Mr. Wolf. <laughs> yeah. Okay. All right, Jeff, you're gonna be red shirt. Alrighty. 
and Smasher. Okay. Who's like Wesley Crusher. And you can do whatever kind of voices or whatever the hell you want. And Steven, you're the captain and Spunk. What's my motivation for these characters? The captain is... He's a very arrogant version, a more arrogant version of Captain Kirk. Okay. And Spunk is a more frustrated version of Spock. Okay. All right. This is called Shit Happens. Red Shirt and uh, Smasher. Got it. Smasher. Yeah. Shit Happens to Red Shirt. So this is called Shit Happens to Red Shirts. Interior, crew quarters, USS Pablo (laughs) face. Redshirt wakes up for his first day of working on the bridge. He is so nervous and anxious and gets his uniform ready. Oh, golly, my first day. I'm going to wear my Lucky Rick uniform shirt, the one Mama made me. Redshirt finishes getting dressed and he leaves. Cut to interior USS Pablo bridge space. Redshirt enters the bridge, reporting to the captain. Reporting for duty, captain. What the hell is that? Redshirt looks around confused. You are wearing a red uniform? Yeah, my mom... Made it for you. The captain face palms and points over to a console. We got another one, boys. Mr. Wolf, as our resident Shizu, show this red shirt his station. (laughs) (laughs) Red shirt nerves that choose his fingernails. Oh, yeah. Uh, You're spunk, Steven. How irrational chewing on your fingernails is disgusting. First officer Spunk enters shortly after Redshirt. What's your issue today, Spunk? They sent us another one of those. Yes. You're going to last longer than the last one. Red than the last one, right? Red shirt. Redshirt is nervous and getting confused. I, I I've been ordered to serve on the Pablo for six months. Inside Smasher? Yeah, sure. Take us into warp. What warp to sure? Fastest we got. Shit to do. I Captain Fastest Warp. Onward, ho! The ship enters in the warp. The red shirt keeps chewing on his nails. <laughs> Wook? As you can see, <laughs> oh, Thomas, wolf. what you call a... Uh, <laughs> I was high when I wrote this. What do you, what do you call your writing uh, technique there, buddy? Stream of conscious rider. <laughs> wolf is looking at him weirdly and keeps sniffing his butt. Uh, Captain, um... Mr. <laughs> wolf keeps... He likes to do that. You must smell like shit. The ship falls out of warp. I said (laughs) ship. Captain Singan, choirs of prey just launched multiple missiles at us. Battle stations, red shirt, raise shields and hold on to something. Shields at maximum. Mr. Wolf, fire all available warheads. The ship sakes on missile impact. Captain impact, shields holding at 55%. Captain sensors reading warhead detonation in 10 seconds. Think it's time for the fat lady to sing. Warhead strikes the two ships, destroying both. Damage report. <laughs> Thank you, Mr. Wolf. I see they both blew up. Good job, everyone. Red shirt. You made it through a hot. You made it through. Hot damn. Red shirt is confused at the comment and turns back towards the station. Red shirt then starts to feel a weird sensation in his body. Captain, I um don't feel so good. Oh, great. Here it goes. Uh, medical officer to the bridge. Before anyone can move, shit just starts exploding outside <laughs> of Redshirt. And his ass literally explodes. Poop wow. all over his, oh, okay. his station. What the fuck? Spunk walks over with his scanner, going over the poop. Mr. <laughs> eating. Some kind of microvirus entered through his fingernails, turning his insides into shit. Unfortunate. Mr. Wolf. I appreciate you cleaning the bridge, but goddamn, that's nasty. Mr. Wolf rolls on to his side and explodes. <laughs> <laughs> and explodes oh, into no. shit. <laughs> Mr. Wolf! No! Mr. Spunk leans over and picks up Mr. Wolf's collar. It's red. He shows us to the captain. Fucking new better, Captain. We all take chances inside. The captain stands up, covering his nose and activating his communication badge. Bridge to transporter room? Yes, Captain. Lock on to Mr. Wolf and uh, Red Shirt signal. Beam them off the ship. Um, Captain. Uh, get this shit off my bridge! Copy. Beaming now. Energize. 
The shit and bodies are beamed outside the ship, but directly outside the viewing screen of the bridge. The ship is covered in bodies, and co- the, sh- the ship and <laughs> bodies cover the screen. <laughs> you gotta be shitting me. <laughs> the end. <laughs> Whoa, oh. oh, buddy, you really outdid yourself this time. <laughs> oh, that shows you the kind of movies we make here, Jeff. I will sh- tell you, if there's one thing that I would describe it as, it's classy. <laughs> <laughs> we it's definitely sh- keep it classy. You might say it's very shitty. <laughs> wow. Okay, buddy. Hi-yo. I like drugs. <laughs> <laughs> you like all the drugs. Yes. Yeah, that was good, buddy. Um I I will uh I'll save all that right. one. What do you rate that out of ten? <laughs> <laughs> Jeff? Yes. What do you rate that out of ten? <laughs> yes. Um I would say um High times two. All right. That's the best rating I ever got. (laughs) That's better than one. (laughs) It's way better than the the negative reviews. All right, Steven, what do you rate what do you rate my story? Any better, buddy? Uh well, I rate it. Do you believe in ghosts, buddy? Because that script goddamn killed me. (laughs) Damn, that's a good segue, buddy. Haunting. I, I I uh I do not believe in ghosts, but Jeff, do you believe in ghosts? You know what? I I will say that I've never seen one, but I do, damn it. <laughs> See, it's just like Pan's Labyrinth all over again. He believes it was real, and he believes in the ghosts. <laughs> he believes yeah, it was I mean, real. There's a ton of people that sincerely have various reasons, ideologically or experientially, to believe in them, and I don't think all those people are crazy. I think how many crazy. people voted for Trump? <laughs> oh, I believe there are a lot of people there. Have some irrational. They voted for a ghost. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all. That's my argument. Kind of that kid. <laughs> I'm just messing. I'm just but I'll say, yeah, I'll say ghosts are real, but I have literally no idea how that shit works. Yeah, I think it's <laughs> it's more fun to believe they're real, right? It's definitely more fun to believe ghosts are real. It's mm-hmm. definitely more fun. Yeah. Life is Same more exciting UFOs if you believe everything. in ghosts. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in ghosts, like you might as well just put a brick in your head and kill yourself. Like, and then you might become a ghost. Become a ghost, so you find out. Well, it's funny. Like the entire reason why I loved uh, when I was growing up, uh, sightings on the Sci-Fi Channel was because I just I love the notion that there is magic to the world, and nothing, literally, yes. nothing is more magical than like active ghosts just walking around doing their stuff. Oh, it for is sure. nice to believe in magic. Hey, yeah. there you go, Pan's Labyrinth. It was nicer to believe in the magic than the fascist overtaking of the land. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, though the uh, the, the rebels won in the end. Yeah, uh-huh. I did mean, they did. They, did. They, they, I mean, in history, in that story, and also in history. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, in history, I don't. I mean, Spain's a little fascist, but they're pretty good. They're a pretty good country. They maybe yes. have a little fascism left over. Everyone yeah, I mean, a lot of those fascism. fascists, you know, like, uh, didn't uh, didn't make it. So there's a happy ending. Yeah, <laughs> there was that happy ending. <laughs> yeah. So talking about happy endings, what's your guys' favorite flavor of ice cream? <laughs> well, Jeff, that's all you, buddy. <laughs> that should have been the last question. I'm sorry. The cookies and cream for me. Oh, nice. That's a great yeah. one. That's a classic. Yeah, that's what about classic. you, Steven? Are you a Rocky Road guy? Yeah. You think I'm a Rocky Road, huh? You're yeah. Just judging my lifestyle there, huh, buddy? Yeah, I think you like soft uh, things. You know, you know, uh, I'm more of a vanilla man. I've always been a vanilla. I do like me some cookies and cream. Oh I my! Love you are an analog old man, dude. Mint and chip. I loved the cheesecake one. What was that? Uh, I think they had like a cheesecake ice cream. But you know, my parents always loved, and I always hated it. Was butter pecan, and this is how oh. you know I'm an old man. Because as of recently, butter pecan has become my favorite. Oh ice cream my god! Of them all, what about We're you? We're gonna buddy? have to bury you. Uh, chocolate chip, I guess. I don't know. I'm really pretty basic shit as well. You like chocolate <laughs> cookie chip? Good. Cookie dough. Is At least okay. cookie dough is respectable, but chocolate chip, chocolate chip, dude, it's the best. That's classic. Beats the rest. I don't know. <laughs> Beats the rest. <laughs> I don't know, man. I like I like uh, chocolate chip. What can I say? So we got chocolate, chocolate chip. Anything. Yeah, 
Oh, yeah. So let me ask you this then, buddy. Do you think he could eat chocolate chip endlessly? No. Oh, well, I'm not, any... I, can only, I can only eat like a few bites of a sweet thing before I'm done. Well, is there anything that you can uh, enjoy endlessly? Oh, are you t- referring to the album question in the end of the show notes? Well, yeah, I was trying to smooth over that, <laughs> that was, segue. That was but, seamless. Uh, yeah. right. hey, well, hey, dude, I see no seams. <laughs> just, like was, just like that CGI fire in Pants Labyrinth. <laughs> <laughs> that, you gotta admit, that, that was pretty dated. I love that movie, but those CGI fire was. Remember, Jeff, when I said being more positive on stream? Right. Oh, yeah. That's uh, very good. I wasn't exactly referring to Mr. Tom there. I was just referring to myself. No, I love it. <laughs> oh, but an album I can. Uh, I'm going to go with Oh by Damien Rice. And I don't know. Motherfucking son of a I didn't bitch. steal that from you, you Steven. You knew I was going to pick that. You knew it. You goddamn. That's my favorite. That's my favorite album. Good album. No, it's not. Is it really? Yeah, for sure. It's my favorite album, really. Okay, well, you, you took than, the wind out of my sails with that. Maybe Spirited Away, I don't know. But it's def- definitely Oh by Damien Rice. Yeah, that was mine. What about you, Jeff? Oh by Damien Rice. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you took mine, dang nabbit. <laughs> so I really think two albums that for me like I can listen to a lot, uh, very different. I like Bob Marley's Exodus. Oh, all right. Now we're talking. And then if we're talking about metal, because I like to write to metal, Gojira's Magma album (laughs) is perfect. Nice. That's awesome. It's nearly perfect. (laughs) So I did want to add onto this. So since we're talking about albums and writing, you know, I know Tom likes to write uh, music without lyrics. Uh, I do also to an extent. What about soundtracks? What's your favorite soundtrack that you could listen to endlessly? Oh, okay. So let me let me think for a second. Movie soundtrack, by the way. Yeah. That. So fun fact. When I'm driving around LA late at night, I like to listen to like noir jazz. Okay. Because it makes me feel like a noir detective and it's amazing. Um, <laughs> Is that what about Blade Runner? That's like the best. That's what I was thinking. That's, That's a great soundtrack. Came to mind. Yeah. But the one I wanted to mention that a lot of people not might think about is uh, a little bit earlier, the soundtrack for Sweet Smell of Success is a great noir okay. jazz soundtrack. Sweet great. Smell of Success. Okay. I've never seen it. I'll have to. I'm gonna, it's it on my yeah. list. Yeah. It's a good movie like Alexander McKendrick. It's just really cool. It's like good classic noir. Nice. Yeah, that sounds awesome. What about you, Tom? Oh, I mean. I'm sure you got to a me, few. More recently, for uh, I would say First Man, completely enthralled and love First Man. Are you just going to copy everything I'm going to say? You, you goddamn I, son of a bitch. Maybe we hang out too much. I don't know, dude. I'm I know, sorry. I think we do, huh? Okay, so then fine. You know what? I'll go back. I'll go back in time. All right. I'm going to say, well, The Fountain is one of my favorite soundtracks ever. Uh, yeah. Darren Aronofsky's The Fountain. Just amazing. Actually, is it? Wrong to say 2001, the soundtrack for 2001, all the classical music and solid. all no. that for 2001. You know, no, it's a good selection. Days in Heaven, that a really great soundtrack. Uh, oh, Cure for Wellness has a pretty good soundtrack. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of good soundtracks there, out there. There are yeah. a lot. I would say for me, yeah, definitely some First Man. Lately, I've been listening to La La Land to kind of just cheer me up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I got to admit, man. The one soundtrack that rules them all, and I can Bram Stoker's Dracula. Yes, sir. I, think I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, that's a good one. I was editing to that the other day too. Yeah, I, you know, listen, I edit to a lot too. I've been trying to is a uh, Silent Hill. The Silent Hill soundtracks are pretty. Oh, good. that's a great soundtrack too. Yeah, I'm. Well, uh, I mean, I love games, Final Fantasy. I don't know 7. about the. I don't know about the movie soundtrack. Uh, the movies actually think. use a lot of the game soundtrack. Okay. Actually. Yeah, I like the movie. I like actually, am probably like the one person that really loved all the Silent Hill movies. Oh, I thought they were really good for like a video game movie and for Silent Hill. Hey Jeff, did we lose you? No, I uh, oh, I okay. like the first one actually quite a bit. I haven't seen the sequel. Isn't oh, there like see- three of them or two of them? I think there's two. Two? Okay. I yeah, know like, I've seen I, I like the first one quite a bit. I thought that it it had a great atmosphere and it was it was pretty uh pretty dang spooky. 
but I yeah, and yeah. they did good for a video game, right? For a video game movie, Sean yep. Bean, man. Uh huh. Sean Bean is just like he's done a lot of just really awesome movies. You guys remember Ronan? Is it Equilibrium? That movie's really Equilibrium? good. Yeah, I mean Sean Bean's in it for like eight seconds, yeah. but I mean, uh, yeah, I forgot he was even in it. Did you guys see Black he's, Death? Let me guess, he dies. I haven't seen Black Death. Yes, he does die. He dies in like <laughs> the first five minutes. Black Death owns. It's a really Black good. Black Death. He's like investigating a plague. Like he's set by oh. the church to like see what, because like they think like someone's creepily causing this like plague outbreak, and so he's sent by the church to investigate it. It's pretty freaking. Uh, so Jeff, we always like to do in closing. You know this this channel is meant for the upping up and coming filmmaker, the aspiring person who just looks longingly at that silver screen. So is there any advice you would give to any up and comers? Yeah. So the one thing that kept me from pursuing filmmaking when I was growing up and in earlier stages of Jeffness <laughs> were, uh, you know, I didn't, I, I, I felt like, being a director, for example, was something that was reserved for people that had money and connections, whatever. And it didn't, uh, I didn't know anyone yeah. that had pursued that path. And it didn't occur to me that that was a thing that I could do. Yeah. And it took a number of experiences later for me to realize, like, no, that's a thing that if you're dedicated enough and you're smart enough in terms of, you know, how you go about it in terms of your approach. That's absolutely something anybody can do. You know, you just have to, it's difficult to make it and get your stuff seen. But I didn't feel empowered when I was growing up. And then once I actually learned stuff about how things work, I realized, oh, that's a thing that I can do. And the point is, it's a very, it's way more accessible than, I, I think it's easy to get discouraged. but. There's such a hunger for content now. If you can find the thing that makes you uniquely you and and in terms of not just your identity, but your what interests you, and you can find a way to translate it into a plot that hasn't been done a thousand times, you absolutely can find an audience that is all about what you want to do. Couldn't have said awesome. it better myself. Thank you, Jeff. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, hopefully we'll have you on again. It'd be fun. Hope you had a good time hanging out with us. What, like we said on the Twitter, on our uh, when uh -huh. I slid into your DMs, sir. Indeed. <laughs> we should uh, after quarantine and like we still didn't decide what we're calling when the the pandemic ends. Are we just calling it the end? We're we calling it the the resurrection, Jesus or something? <laughs> I'm not sure. <laughs> what the, the fuck we're talking coming. about? There we go. Once the second coming is here. We gotta get together. We'll buy you dinner, man. We'll have a we'll get you some scotch, or some. Sounds excellent, gentlemen. And uh, we'll have yes, another definitely. episode. All right. And, and Thanks, Jeff, everybody. how can people uh, reach you out there? Yeah. Uh, well, you can uh, find me on Forbes or uh, on. You can just search for me, and and I'll come up. And you can find all my articles, or you can find me on Twitter at at real Jeff Ewing, R E E L, and then you can kind of connect with me and see my stuff. I always post it. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks. That sounds great. All right. And we're cutting.